0: Queen Elizabeth II's death brings a new era
1: of royal unity. Harry, Meghan, William, and Kate are reunited.
0: And King Charles III faces the first crisis of his reign.
1: I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's chief royal correspondent.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher based in the US.
1: And this is Newsweek's Royal Report.
0: Hello Jack, hello listeners, and hello to the thousands and thousands of people queuing up to see the Queen's coffin lying in state at Westminster Hall. As we record this edition of the Royal Report, we are just days out from the funeral and the era of Queen Elizabeth II feels like a lifetime ago.
1: Yes, it does, it does. It all started around 12.30 in the afternoon on Thursday, September the 8th. Charles and Camilla were in Scotland. They were two hours off a big interview, actually, with Jenna Bush Hager. And Hager has since said she heard running in the hallway. Charles took a phone call. They were asked to keep quiet. An aide then cancelled the meeting outside. A helicopter took off and carried the future king and queen to Balmoral in Scotland, where doctors had just put the queen under medical supervision.
0: Yes. At the same time, 1230 London time, an announcement went out from Buckingham Palace confirming there were concerns for the Queen's health. The Prime Minister then confirmed these were, in fact, deep concerns and royal family members scrambled to be by the Queen's
1: side. And this is where in the chaos of what was a profoundly sad day, there is some confusion over exactly what actually happened here. So Harry and Meghan were in the UK at the time, preparing to wrap up a whirlwind tour of Britain and Europe that they did. They had one more event to go, which was the Wellchild Awards that night, and their spokesman announced that they would instead both be heading to Scotland. The plan then changed for reasons that are not completely clear. Meghan stayed home. Um, Harry, it would appear, was left to organise his own transport, which meant he could not share a plane with Prince William, Andrew, Edward and Sophie, Countess of Wessex. Now, they all, that group of royals, arrived just too late to say goodbye, which is obviously heartbreaking. Um, They did, however, arrive before the official announcement went out, which was 6.30pm local time up in Scotland and also in Britain. Um, This was just minutes before Harry's plane touched down in Aberdeen.
0: (sighs) Just my heart goes out so much to Harry, especially, but to all of them to miss that moment, that final moment. Uh, it, it's heartbreaking. Now, one thing I want to point out there's been a lot of speculation that Megan was told not to come. Megan, in particular, was singled out, but also Kate wasn't there either. And I think that's important to point out. Perhaps it really just was, you know, the grandchildren's spouses just. We're not invited, and that's okay i don't think that's a reason to beat up Megan or Kate. It just is what it is
1: yeah, I think' it's for sure, absolutely Kate definitely was staying at home, and I think it was a a ruling that covered more than just megan um, i think I do get the feeling though that there are perhaps some difficult feelings um, about how the day went I mean you've got a situation where harry you know, it could have panned out that he was the only one to miss saying goodbye. And then I think he would have really have liked to have been on that plane with William. Um, I think that there's probably in hindsight been much more of a desire to make sure everybody is included and really visibly included in the aftermath of how everything unfolded. Um, And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure also William and the other Royals would have wanted that plane to take off as fast as humanly possible. And who knows what else was going on at the time. I'd imagine it was quite difficult for Harry having the announcement go out while he was still in midair and then landing in Aberdeen um, to realize, obviously, that he he was too late.
0: Yeah, but but we also don't know the logistics, as you said, we don't know who was where, who was even near a plane at that time. You know, we don't know all the details there.
1: It was a chaotic day. It was a chaotic day for sure. Um, I would, yeah, I, I would have. I I feel very certain that there is no desire whatsoever in the Sussex camp to make any kind of noise about it or to kick up any kind of a stink about it. I wouldn't be at all surprised though if on that Thursday there had been some difficult emotions flying around. Um, Obviously, you know, in the aftermath, obviously the next morning, um, Harry was the first to leave Balmoral, um, jumped straight on a plane back to Windsor to, to reunite with Meghan. Um, Charles later left and went back to London, um, where he got, he, he saw the public for the first time and he went out the, you know, the people in the streets. He uh, met them, shook hands, and he got a, a rapturous welcome. He did also extend an olive branch to Harry that evening in his first public broadcast to his people, where he, he did say he, he expressed his love for Harry and Meghan in that speech.
0: Yes. And in that speech, Charles, also officially named Will and Kate, The Prince and Princess of Wales. For all of us who love Diana, you may recall Princess of Wales was Diana's title. So uh, that title now goes on. It lives on through Kate right now.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, it's this has huge implications for William and Kate. It also comes with the with control of the Duchy of Cornwall, which is this huge billion dollar property estate, one point two billion dollars, and that means that you know William's now going to have an income and Kate as well of twenty four million dollars a a year. It's a huge amount of money, so we might see all kinds of changes to the way that they. You know, pr- arrange their royal lives. You know, bigger projects, more ambitious. Perhaps Earthshot will get you know have more publicity around it. That kind of thing. So it's it's a hugely momentous moment. Obviously, it's an incredibly somber and sad moment for them. But it is in many ways a life changing moment that extend beyond the queen's actual death.
0: Yeah. Now, Jack, I'm curious. How did you receive Charles's first speech as the king? How did you feel about it? Um, do you feel like He struck the right note.
1: I think it was very important that he did get that line in there about Harry and Meghan. After the, I do genuinely think that that Thursday was difficult and probably could have been handled better. I'm like, it's so easy with the benefit of hindsight to say that, and I'm sure that it was really chaotic and difficult to manage. But I do think it could have been handled better. I think Friday, uh, probably everybody had a bit of chance to process, to actually be face to face with each other, to talk. And I think then a, a much better approach started to emerge. So you've got um, Charles saying, you know, yes, yeah, by saying that he loves Harry and Meghan, he's obviously not. It's not just that he's showing the olive branch; it's that he's doing it so visibly, like it's so it's so clear to be seen that he's doing it. That he it it shows not just Harry and Meghan, but the world that Harry and Meghan are welcome in the royal fold. Um, so I thought that was really important. He also said that he. He renewed the Queen's commitment to give his whole life to public service, which implicitly rules out an early handover to Prince William, which is one of these things that's been, you know, flying around in media debates and things like that for many years. You know, will Charles just do do a quick 10 years and then hand over to William? Well, he, he gave a very clear signal that he's not going to do that. He wants to serve for the full time that he has available.
0: Yeah, um, he used the word darling a lot to refer to his mother and to Camilla which I thought, oh, that's so sweet. The the word darling, he expressed great affection for his mother. Uh, not unusual, of course, when a parent passes. But I also couldn't help but note there were a couple of things that some people might say were a little bit political. He spoke of bringing marginalized people more into the fore. And I thought that was kind of a subtle way to, you know, try and acknowledge the fact that there is systemic inequality in the UK, and in the Commonwealth. And um, while it wasn't really overt hit you over the head with it, he did deliberately include that in there.
1: Yeah, the royals don't really do hit you over the head with it, do they? They love the no. <laughs> um, they love a subtle reference. Uh, yes. Yeah, so he, they, yeah, absolutely. I think he knows that the big kind of um, criticism of monarchy is about inequality and it's about the p- kind of positioning of these people who we revere because of their birthright, which is a bit unfashionable in the modern world. You know, with all the debates that we have about privilege, like royalty is privilege. It is the definition of privilege. They are literally entitled. Um, so I think he knows what he's up against in the modern era you know the last time Britain had a new monarch was 1952 and it was a totally different age it was the age of deference when people didn't you know interviewers didn't put uh, public figures even the prime minister under any pressure now we live in the social media age where stuff goes viral before the member of the royal family even knows that it exists Um, it's very hard to counteract um, public criticisms It's it's a much more difficult environment for the royals to operate in and I think he's trying to start out by acknowledging that, you know, there is something that needs to be addressed here.
0: Yeah. And he also uh, spoke as the head of the church, too. Uh, lest we forget, he actually is the head of the Church of England. And I, I know a few people are like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot that he's like the pope, essentially, of this church. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like not just the king, he's like the pope at the same time. And, you know, it, it is one of those bizarre things that you just inherit by blood you are the head of this church and also the sovereign.
1: Yeah, and it was a really important role to the queen. Um, So, yeah, the way it works is the monarch is the ceremonial head of the Church of England and then the Archbishop of Canterbury is the professional head. So you have a kind of two-pronged element where I guess the the pope is both roles rolled into one. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so the queen, you know, actually also the Church of Scotland, I should say as well, Um, Yeah, I mean, this religion was hugely important to the Queen, and at points it's easy to forget. um, But you know, I mean, she she only went to church weddings. She she actually has mentioned God. This is one of the things that um, was actually said in the aftermath of her death, is that she, I think, has been mentioning God and her religion more in recent years than she did earlier on in her reign. Um, So, yet Charles has long had a kind of uh, embrace of different faiths he's had a kind of a multi-faith approach to things i think so i think he is very much like friends with other faiths too but he is of course the head of the church of england so ceremonially
0: all right well we are going to take a quick break but before we do a reminder to rate and review us in apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your favorite shows when we're back from tension to grief to unity with the royal family
1: Hi, everyone. And we're back now. If there was tension on the Thursday and an olive branch on the Friday, then by the Saturday, a full blown truce had broken out among the royal family, publicly at least. Harry and Meghan joined William and Kate for a walkabout together in Windsor.
0: Yes. The two couples arrive together in the same car to greet well-wishers. It is the first time we've seen the Fab Four together in years, and it's understood that the joint appearance was at Williams' bequest.
1: Yes, that's correct. I was trying to work out exactly when the last time this happened was. And technically, the four of them were all together um, in March 2020 on one of the final royal jobs that Harry and Meghan did, which was Commonwealth Day. Um, But obviously, the tone and the atmosphere of that was so different because it was really obvious and publicly known that the couples didn't get along and there was no attempt to show any unity. They just kind of walked in looking incredibly solemn, visibly didn't speak to each other. It almost even looked a little bit like maybe there was a little bit of ignoring, like active ignoring going on, failure to make eye contact, that sort of thing. So if you're talking about like an actual conscious show of unity, I think you're going back to Christmas 2018, Mm -hmm. Um, which was before it was round about the time that everything sort of spiraled out of control and it was a month after the story accusing Megan of making Kate cry it was a month before Megan told Harry that she was feeling suicidal and um, there were rumours in the papers at the time that you know that the relationship was not right and that the couples were not getting along and so they did this big walk up to to church in Sandringham together all in a line and then you had Megan and Kate side by side and with William and Harry on the outside. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time, I think they did it the other way around with the brothers in the middle and the uh, the women on the outside.
0: Yes. I'm not sure if you've been following the hullabaloo around all the body language experts with the two couples, though, have you, Jack? Yes.
1: <laughs> there's always body language experts, isn't there? It's, like, it's because we get so little kind of confirmation about stuff that it creates this vacuum into which any people just read so much into every single little piece of body language. But yeah, I mean... There were people kind of talking about the distance between William and Kate at certain points. There was like Mm -hmm. a big gap between them in the first photograph when they first got out of the car. I mean, they did look closer further along. But I also kind of think that Harry and Meghan have always been more tactile with each other than William and Kate were. So I have to admit, I wasn't particularly surprised for there to be that distinction between the two couples.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think Meghan being from California, I, I, I do think it's more of a California thing to you know, be be a little bit more physically affectionate. And Harry definitely has picked up on that while he's been with her. He's never held back from being affectionate with her. Um, yeah. And, you know, Harry opened the car door to let Megan in before getting in the car himself. William did not do that for Kate. That's another thing people pointed out. But, you know, I, I think some of these may be cultural differences. Um, and some of them may just be like, They're not necessarily paying attention to those optics right now because they're in so much mourning right now. They're not necessarily thinking, do we look like we're a couple that love each other enough right now? We're not in that headspace to think about that.
1: Right, right. I mean, like by all means, pile in on a different day. But I guess give the like they've got to get a day off, right? When they when the world cuts them some slack, both both couples. Um, So yeah, I I was also kind of reminded as well of the time that Megan opened her own car door and it caused a massive. Do you remember that? It caused a massive like outrage. Some people were were outraged at her. Some people were celebrating it as a moment of empowerment, and it was all kind of a bit over the top. So (laughs) it's returned. She she just
0: opened a car door. People, it's not like she. They drove yes. a car into a crowd. She just like reached for the door handle.
1: <laughs> yes exactly and all of this um oh actually before we move on though i also thought it was really interesting yeah so it all again it was the usual stuff with people reading way too much into everything but this whole thing blew up about megan having this fleeting exchange with a with an aide who tried to take some flowers off her and so people started getting uh, angry about that suggesting that she'd kind of been really sharp or brusque with this staff member and then i think the Dad of a little girl who was there got involved and started saying it was fine. So, yeah, it was all, you know, it was a classic kind of uh, full on, you know, um, royal Kremlinology meltdown on all sides, I think.
0: I watched that clip. I'm like, I don't think she was rude at all. She was like, oh, no, thank you. Thank you so much for offering to take the flowers off my hands, but I promised to lay them down myself. But thank you again. She like repeatedly says thank you to the aide. So I'm like, if she were rude, she'd be saying, mean things. She wouldn't be saying thank you.
1: I'm also just wondering, because I was talking about this as well with Prince Charles, because there were a few things about him being a bit, like, short with a staff member over a pen that was in his way when he was signing his own. At first
0: I thought it was a joke. I'm like, is this real? Is this like... (laughs) He was getting so upset about the quote-unquote bloody pen. These bloody pens all the time with the pen.
1: (laughs) Because he's racked up two pen instants now, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about the second one later. But yeah, so I I was kind of thinking, like, okay, sure, he's a bit short with the bloke about the pen. But also you've got to think, like, this is your... is like all the stress and pressure and organizational logistics of your wedding day except it's really really sad and like how many people have Blown up with somebody at their, on their wedding day in a way that they regretted. Now imagine that you were going through all of that pressure, public scrutiny, you know, organizational nightmare. But your uh, your mother's just died, and it's this you know the same for, like Megan. It's not actually directly her family member, but obviously it's a hugely sad occasion. It's a hugely sad like de- you know few days beforehand. She will have huge amounts of sympathy for Harry, and of course she did know the Queen herself as well. So like the whole thing is hugely sad. And it's hugely pressured. It's also like her first public appearance alongside William and Kate, in yeah, in years. Like first public appearance properly, like they fleetingly work in the same room together at the Jubilee and never really were pictured next to each other. So this is the first proper one since March 2020. Like that is a huge amount of public scrutiny and pressure because she knows that if she does anything wrong, there's going to be a massive pile on.
0: Yeah, but I don't think she did anything wrong. <laughs> Saying thank you for the offer to... You know, empty my hands, that's okay. You don't need to you don't need to serve me. I don't think that was her being rude. I think that was totally fine. Um, but you know what I do think was rude, Jack? What's that? We have to talk about military uniforms. Um I I think that uh you know, I, I know Harry is trying to diffuse the situation, but it was reported that Harry would not be allowed to wear his military uniform. In uh, mourning, uh, at the funeral, in the lead up to the funeral, and so on. Um, But Andrew would be allowed to. The Queen's four children in a special service um, are supposedly going to be able to have a special moment there where Andrew is allowed to wear his uniform. And why would Andrew be allowed to, but Harry not? Harry, who served. Two tours of duty in Afghanistan who started an internationally respected games for disabled vets. And yet Andrew can wear his uniform when Harry has done all the service, not just in the military, but after his service. What?
1: Yeah, so the, the official explanation is that it's, yeah, it's this fact, this aspect of it that it, the, that particular vigil, which is the last vigil at Westminster Hall, um, is only for the children of the Queen. Um, but obviously, you know, the, an opportunity has been found for Andrew, and really, you know, would it have like what to stop him simply not wearing his military uniform to that event? Like, why does he why? You know what is the reason for the different ruling? That's what I'm really not clear about. And also on another level, like why can't Harry just wear his uniform? You know, I mean the whole thing with Andrew, as I recall, at the time of Prince Philip's funeral, was partly the fact that he was threatening to go wearing an admiral's uniform despite never having been promoted to the rank. Um, And you know they are. they're soldiers who have served i mean it's partly it's a rank thing which is that the actual uniform that they would probably wind up wearing would be that of the honorary title that was taken away from each of them so um you know they served at a certain level and then after leaving the armed forces they then get like the top top uniform kind of thing so I think that's one aspect of where the complication comes in, but equally you know, you've know, you got this ridiculous situation where Prince Edward, who dropped out of training for the Royal Marines after a few months without completing training, um, is wearing a uniform adorned with medals, having never seen active service. have never even seen any kind of deployment of, of any kind. Um, and yeah, Harry who's been on the front line twice, Andrew has actually also been on the front line during the Falklands War as well, um, are both not allowed to wear their uniforms. And you know Andrew, the real, like the real reason honestly is that he's disgraced himself and that he's accused of a criminal offense in a civil case which he settled out of court obviously he denies the allegation and admitted no liability but needless to say it's about standards in public life with Andrew whereas with Harry I understand entirely that he's upset some members of the royal family but it's not a matter of standards in public life it's not a matter of giving out the wrong message that you can be accused of a terrible crime. You can conduct yourself in a really awful way as you try to rig it out of accountability and still be seen to be this figure of respect.
0: I have to also point out that Harry's team did put out another statement also about the kerfuffle around uniforms, trying to refocus attention on, you know, the queen and away from uniforms. Harry will wear his, you know, morning clothes and, uh, that's that. Let's just put our attention back on the queen.
1: Yeah. I think that was quite a shrewd move from, from Harry and his team, which was basically to say, look, uh, you know, obviously, he's got a military career, which everybody knows about, and the un- whether or not he wears the uniform isn't going to change that. Everybody knows he served two tours of Afghanistan. It's one of the big things that people know about him, and the focus should be on the Queen, and he has no desire to distract from that. Um, which I think is is good. You know, to put it to look at it from a kind of strategic point of view, I think that's you know it's good positioning because you know the, they know that the allegation against them is, as soon as they express any kind of discontent about anything is that they're hogging the limelight and drawing attention Mm -hmm. from the queen so this is a really important way of showing that even though this probably was difficult for harry i I would have thought um it's not what that's not what matters you know how harry feels about that particular aspect of this is not what's important right now what's important is the queen and the fact that everybody can just get on with remembering her and mourning her
0: yeah yeah well Speaking of Andrew, I I just have to bring up the videos that have been released. Oh, don't, Krista, don't! I have to. (laughs) So wrong.
1: It's so wrong. Okay,
0: if you don't want me to bring it up, I'll let you explain. You know what video (laughs) I'm talking about? Yes, you can explain, Jack. Explain to the listeners. If you don't want me to say it, you have to say it.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So, (laughs) Andrew and Princess Eugenie were both inspecting tributes to the Queen. Okay, so th- these are, this is factual. Okay, this is just the facts. Uh, Andrew and Princess Eugenie hugged while inspecting floral tributes to the Queen. Prince Andrew was trying to remove his hand from around his daughter's shoulders uh, when that hand um, descended her back, and uh, I can only say that what followed was what you might call what would you call it an awkward an awkward encounter. Groping. Well, yeah, I mean there was there was. Yeah. There was contact. It looked, anyway, and people suggested that there was contact with Princess Eugenie's bum, Um, which, you know, you do kind of think that it's a kind of 10, 11-day period of mourning before the funeral, and this is a very finite, limited window during which Andrew's going to be in public, and you really would think that he could get through that short period of time in the aftermath of the death of his mother without some kind of disgrace occurring. Um, so yeah, baffling, baffling. Well, but you, Kristen, I mean, you brought it up. Let me not take the mic away from you.
0: Oh my God. It, it was gross. Like it didn't look like an accident. He ran his hand all down the length of her back and when it reached the small of her back, he should have known now I take my hand away, but instead continue around the curve of her bottom and then kind of looking like he sort of scooped her at the bottom with his hand. Like, that's why it looked like groping, like going around the curve of her bottom and then at the bottom scooping. Like gross, gross. gross. Like
1: really like, gross.
0: Really, really gross. And Andrew, all of the world already thinks that you're despicable and you're not disproving it when you do stuff like this in public. Please just like keep a low profile and don't do stuff like this. Either that or go to jail. Yeah.
1: He's he's really uh, he's really making a strong case for being sent to the Tower of London, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> kind of like old school royal move. But no, I mean it's really weird. It's really weird. How did how did he manage to do something so badly wrong in such a short space of time? And you know, they've, he's now you know he's now the story again after that. And he's obviously in procession behind the Queen's coffin. Um, as it moved from Buckingham Palace to uh, the Palace of Westminster and will be again on the day of the funeral. And obviously people will still have that in the back of their minds. They'll obviously still have Jeffrey Epstein in the back of their minds and Virginia Jeffrey's allegations against Andrew. Um, And there's also this new kind of brewing argument about the fact that... So so Andrew was... He has a role which is called Councillor of State, which means that technically speaking, if everybody who is a more senior councillor of states than him is either abroad or ill, then he has to do some functions of the monarchy. Uh, now, this was always the case under the Queen. It's been the case the whole time. And it continues to be the case under Charles because that's the way it works. It's based on the line of succession. And unless somebody's is going to start passing legislation to remove him from the line of succession... It's not completely clear what the mechanism would be for removing him from this position. Um but yeah I mean like this debate is now blowing up on on social media as well with people saying as like people un- slightly unhelpfully saying that Charles has appointed him which is not really totally how it works. I mean, I don't think it was a conscious decision by Charles. Some people are suggesting, are painting it as though he's going to be like Charles's key advisor or something like that. It's a much more Mm. passive role than that. But clearly, like, this is not what the royal family needs right now.
0: No, absolutely not. No. Now, more than ever, is the time where they need to prove that they are stable, that they are necessary, that they can fill the shoes of the queen – in some way or another and with andrew it it just doesn't send that message
1: yeah absolutely absolutely now just a couple more things that happened over that weekend. So we got the first tribute, first of all, from Prince William um, because they go, they do go in order of succession. So we had Charles on the Friday and William on the Saturday. And William quite interestingly said that, he, that the Queen was with him through some of his happiest times but also helped him through his saddest times too which feels like a reference to Princess Diana. And that's quite interesting because the Queen died at Balmoral and Balmoral is the same place where William and Harry were when they learnt about Diana's death so it feels like right in right before William extended this olive branch to Harry he was kind of thinking, he must have been thinking about Diana, they must have both been almost like reliving those traumatic days um, up at moral grieving together with Charles um, and thinking about everything that happened uh, almost exactly 25 years ago the Queen yeah. died um, two days after the 25th anniversary of Diana's funeral
0: yeah it does seem they're succeeding in putting, you know, at least William and Harry putting a united front out there for the public. The two were walking in a procession behind the Queen's coffin. Uh, for a lot of us, it reminded us of Diana and that procession after Diana died. Only now, these are grown men who uh, fortunately have the choice to do this or not do this. Harry, as we all know, um, has said that. Doing that as a small child when his mother died, he would not ask that of any child. It was one of the worst moments of his life to essentially feel like he was in a parade for his dead mom and um, being watched by tens of millions of people, if not hundreds of millions of people all over the world.
1: Yeah, absolutely um this is yeah it's another thing that's going to almost certainly bring back memories for them it, it was a ex- extremely somber parade and um they yeah so harry and william walked side by side at prince Philip's funeral they were separated by peter phillips in the middle not uh not at the procession from buckingham palace to westminster hall um this so this was moving the queen's coffin to where it will line state for four days Um, and the two brothers were absolutely putting on a united front side by side so um, we then had uh, the royal women following in the car behind in two cars behind so the first car had camilla and kate um, as the you know, queen consort and future queen consort together. And then Meghan was behind that in a car with Sophie, the Countess of Wessex. Um, It was uh, obviously a really somber occasion. The coffin was brought into Westminster Hall where there was a ceremony there and a period of silence too. Um, And yeah, I mean, you could see that they all looked very kind of ashen-faced and serious. And clearly, you know, it was a very emotional moment for all of them. Like it was a 40-minute walk to get there. So they were surrounded by... The members of the public on both sides the whole time
0: yeah and now that the queen's body is lying in state members of the public can pay their respects to her body now but it is expected that lines will be very very long some are estimating up to 30 hours and even after 30 hours you may still not be able to see the queen i mean i, I can't imagine how long these lines are
1: yeah, huge, huge. I mean, they're going over bridges, they're going down a whole stretch of uh, of the River Thames in London to as far as Bermondsey. But I think there's some, you know, there are some thoughts that actually, like, you, you know, that is where they are stopping the official queue, and they're going to kind of try to tell people, I think, not to try to join the queue at that point. But how do you literally police that? I don't really know what's going to happen, because I'm sure the queue will reach capacity, and then people will probably just try to, will try to continue queuing. So some facility will be made available i'm sure for that and then yeah i mean it will just keep going and going i think
0: oh god but can you imagine being the person at the end of the queue and you're like oh, i've I been know. lined up for 60 hours <laughs> and then <laughs> you get a it. block away and then it's like nope nobody else is being let in like i've been spending 60 hours on this line
1: <laughs> like how are, they, how are people gonna eat like how are they gonna, you know obviously they're taking sleeping bags i guess
0: that's not what i was thinking about i was thinking about the other end i'm like oh <laughs>
1: i'm yeah. not thinking
0: about food coming in i'm thinking about what if you have. To oh right no you're
1: absolutely yourself. right yeah i hadn't even thought of that yeah i don't know where i guess the pubs nearby will do uh will you know probably be the place they go to but pubs um, are not open yeah.
0: 24 hours a day
1: unfortunately no, though. exactly exactly it's going to be a huge undertaking you would have to really 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 want to do it but people feel really strongly about the monarchy you know they really do
0: yeah, and especially this particular queen, as we said in our breaking news special on the day the queen died, you know, she is the longest reigning monarch in all of UK history, the longest reigning female monarch in all of world history. Uh, she is, you know, a rock and an icon. This this is for most people on this planet who are alive today, the only monarch they have ever known. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this is a huge thing. It's not quite the same as, you know, somebody passing away who was president for four or eight years. It's not quite the yeah, same yeah. thing as somebody who was the king for 15 years. This is this is a lifetime for most people.
1: Because the other thing about it is that most of the, the presidents, you know, by the time that they die of natural causes, they haven't been in power for decades. You know, they've kind of drifted out of public life, whereas the big difference in monarchy is that you're reigning right up until the moment that you pass away. Um, so, you know, it's obviously it's not the same as JFK, but because obviously that was like, an, you know, that was an assassination. It wasn't natural causes, but... In terms of the fact that she was in the job, like she swore in her 15th prime minister two days before she died. Like she was, she had her jubilee two months before, three months before. Like it's huge. It's a huge difference, you know. Everybody knows that somebody who was president, you know, a couple of decades ago, a few decades ago, is at some point no longer going to be with us anymore. Uh, it's much, much bigger when the person is still a part of public life at the point that they die.
0: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So best of luck to everybody standing online for that. And um, we do hope you find a toilet.
1: And just one more point. So most of our listeners, probably by the time they hear this, may well still be uh, waiting for the funeral to happen. Maybe not all, but we are currently in a period where the Queen will be lying in state um, and then right up until about 6.30 in the morning on Monday, the 19th of September, which is when the funeral will take place. Um, So on that day, there will be a second procession, which will bring the Queen from Westminster Hall to um, Westminster Abbey, which is where the funeral service will be. And then, so we'll have that, which will, I'm sure, be a very sad and sombre occasion. And she will then be taken to Windsor after that point. So in Windsor, the coffin will then be taken to St. George's Chapel, which people may remember because it was both the scene of Harry and Meghan's wedding and also a Prince Philip's funeral. Um, and there'll be a televised committal service there. And then we think that her final resting place is going to be the King George VI Memorial Chapel, King George VI obviously being her father, Um, So we're obviously going to see a huge number of international political leaders and world figures at her funeral. Joe Biden will be there. So will other heads of state from all around the world.
0: Yes. My understanding, though, is that Donald Trump was not invited. And um, with regard to that, I say whoever came up with that invitation list, well done. He should not be
1: there. (laughs) He's got his own problems at home, hasn't he?
0: Oh, God, so many. (laughs) So many, Jack. So many.
1: We're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore Royston and Kristen is at KristenMinzer. We always have royal updates there as well as my latest stories for Newsweek. And when we're back, the reign of King Charles III has begun. And while family tensions ease, a new crisis is brewing beyond palace walls.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi everyone we are back with one last story. We are now officially in the reign of King Charles III and while he has seen a colossal. 30-point swing in his favor. Whoever saw this coming, I don't know who saw this coming, but he is now more popular than ever, according to polls. Despite that, some people have been protesting.
1: Yes, that's right. And the police have been arresting them, and some people have been charged, which doesn't sound much like democracy. No. I must say, for example, that the, one of the videos, this guy is getting dragged off by the police... Um, for holding out, for shouting out um, something about Prince Andrew, um, basically saying he was a sick old man. Um, But one thing that was quite interesting to me is that there's people there pushing the kid as the police are dragging him away. Now, the last time I checked, you aren't actually allowed to to push people. That is a kind of very, very low level offence. Obviously, the police were more concerned with the protester than they were about that. There was, you know, there was a somebody who was threatened with arrest for holding up a blank sign. Um, What do you think of this, Kristen? I mean, would Charles support any of this? I mean, you know, what does this show Britain in a positive light?
0: I think Charles, frankly, needs to at some point drop it into a speech, put out a statement, do something that says we are in a democracy. And part of living in a democracy is free speech. And people are allowed to express discontent with the government, with the monarchy uh with any of these things that this is just part of living in a democracy and that way he would be showing that he is on the side of the people and i think that's really important now as the new monarch to show that he is a public servant in a sense yes everybody in the uk they are his subjects but also they're you know he's at their service and he does not want to have these arrests happening in his name, uh, he, he does not need to be protected in that manner. Um, I, I think it would be in his best interest to say something. I don't approve of that at all. It makes no sense to me. And what was it? It's just like one person here in a crowd and one person there in a crowd. Uh, it's not like people were pillaging or you know uh, knocking over cars or doing what they do after a bad football match that they don't like. I mean, it was just like one person yelling something that we all know is true that. Andrew is a problem that's that's true whatever they were yelling wasn't even false
1: and I do also just think that okay like maybe I don't actually think that that guy should have shouted that out but a criminal offense and to charge him you know I, or I actually possibly could even countenance them dragging him away but there was absolutely no need to charge him they could have just you know sent him on his way and I'm sure he would have, he would have acknowledged that he was expecting that outcome Um, But the one thing that's really worrying about this, I mean, to slightly zoom out from the royals, is there have been a bunch of cases recently where the police have arrested and prosecuted protesters and the cases have just collapsed, which does raise the prospect, if this keeps happening, that the police must know that these prosecutions are going to fail and they're basically punishing people by pursuing, you know, doomed prosecutions. Like, how are they going to make this stick? Um, You know, it's... It's a really extraordinary thing, and I think if, if they do pursue this case and it goes to court and he pleads guilty or any of these people plead guilty and the police case collapses, then you know they've then got to deal with the fallout from that and Charles has to, and what does, what's Charles meant to do about it? Like you say, all he can really do, he can't stop it. He can't interfere with the with police investigation. All he can do is try to make reference to it and try to say something along the lines that protest is legitimate. Not everybody is going to support the monarchy and that that's got to be fine. Right now, they're in a situation where quite like big figures in the media, you know, you've got Andrew Marr, who you might not have heard of in America. I don't think he's done much over over with you guys, but he's a huge, big broadcaster. You know, kind of BBC veteran um was uh, weighing in on this, basically saying that it was ridiculous. I mean, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. You you know, this is the twenty first century. and this is the kind of behavior that you would expect from the police in the like medieval times or in the era of Elizabeth the first. like this is not, you know, you can't just send people to the the tower for protesting
0: no, th- this is kind of what you would expect in a dictatorship, not in the u k in twenty twenty two
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so it's uh, you know this is a big test of Charles's of Charles's reign can he can he dispel the reputational damage that he's going to wind up incurring uh from everything that's happened because obviously he's the focal point you know he's the lightning rod for people's anger about it. Um but there's also another potential issue brewing on the horizon for him which is that Antigua and Barbuda has already said that it wants to uh, separate from the monarchy and become a republic uh, in time now that the Queen's era has passed and we have King Charles III. Um, So this was something we kind of expected, Mm -hmm. and we expected it to come from more than one country. We're very, very early days. I must say I did not expect it to take place before the funeral. Um, So it does seem like all of the expectation is going to be fulfilled and we are going to see some countries remove the monarchy.
0: Yeah, Um, I'll be very curious to see in the coming weeks and months after the funeral, how many nations will join Antigua here and say, yeah, we're going to do that thing that we already told William and Kate we were going to do. We already made it clear when they came on their disastrous Caribbean tour. We already told them we don't want to be a part of this anymore. and." Um, And and I do think quite a few of those nations were, you know, just letting this rain end before that happened. Well, this rain is over now and a new rain has begun. So uh, I would not be surprised if in the coming weeks and months we see more nations saying, yes, we're going to be independent now.
1: Mm, Yeah yeah and you mentioned that Caribbean tour by William and Kate and obviously one of the countries they went to there was Jamaica um, and the Jamaican Prime Minister Andrew Holness obviously said that Jamaica wants to take the step two at some point and I've been trying to keep an eye on this situation in the months that followed and how it's bubbling away and some of those people who are organising protests against William and Kate have been getting quite frustrated in the months since and have been issuing calls for more action from the government to, to actually make good on the uh, It's I guess it was slightly short of a pledge but certainly the kind of uh, desire or intent that was expressed during the tour so i'm sure that when the dust settles um after the queen's funeral and after the mourning period is over i'm sure those self-same protesters are going to be back putting and it's, i say protested but it's it's actually like a you know a lot of them are kind of lawyers academics it's it's uh, it's people who are in kind of influential positions in jamaican society And they will be back trying to put pressure on their government, trying to get them to accelerate this process.
0: Wow, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And all other things related to King Charles's reign, King Charles. um, It's it's a new uh, and different thing to say, (laughs) King Charles.
1: It is, and they've been singing God Save the King, which is a new and different thing to hear.
0: Yes, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's something went off in my brain for a second there. I'm like, oh my God, it, it really hit home at that moment. Like, oh, this is for real.
1: And I think the first time I heard Queen and then it was like the first line I heard, I, my brain actually changed it to Queen because it was so familiar. And then it was only the word his that I then picked yes. up. And then when I heard the next line, then I heard King.
0: Yes. Well, it is a new era, Jack. And that is it for this episode of The Royal Report.
1: Do be sure to join us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on royal deep dives, and riff on all things royal.
0: Until next time, I'm Kristen
1: Meinzer. And I'm Jack Royston.
0: Thank you so much for listening, everyone.
1: And a curtsy to you all.